0: You are listening to The Yoni Codes, where every week we explore the secret mysteries of the divine feminine through the reclamation of motherhood, entrepreneurship, and relationship.
1: Through the gates of your yoni and held within your womb are secret codes that when activated spark magic, healing, and rebirth.
0: The Yoni Codes are the wisdom keys to harnessing your power, healing your lineage, and expressing your magic in the world.
1: We believe that if every woman unlocks the Yoni Codes within themselves, the ripple
0: effect will be the healing of our collective. I'm Melissa April. I'm Catherine Blanco. Let us dive into the mysteries together. Hello everybody! Welcome back for another episode of The Yoni Codes. I, this is Melissa, just in case you were wondering who is speaking and I am here on my own today. Well, not on my own today, but without Catherine, because Catherine is moving. So I am taking over today's show with an incredible friend, an incredible mentor, just a beautiful all around amazing woman Justine Moore Sloan. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, So Justine is a best selling author, a spiritual health and mindset coach. And she's a co founder of boss ladies MKE a network and uh, sorry, a networking and uh, mastermind group for women in the greater Milwaukee area. I'm so I'm so excited to bring this conversation here. I've had so many conversations with Justine over the last how long has it been? Two, three years? Yeah, going on three. Going on three years, um, and yeah, it just feels really wonderful to bring to bring this conversation to everybody here at the Unicode. So, Justine, welcome, and I just want to share with everybody if you want to share a little bit about who you are. What you're all about, and anything else fun that you would like us to know.
1: Mm, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so honored. I'm so excited about the Yoni Codes. And yeah, just delighted and honored to be here. So thank you for having me. And as you shared, I am I'm newly a bestselling author. Um, that has been my big project the last two years was getting my story on paper and out into the world in the form of a book. And that book is my story around body image and my healing journey and really healing from um, a long history of disordered eating and really just not feeling good enough, really deep struggles with my self-worth. And so now that is my life's work. I am a coach and um, just love reaching women in any way I can. I feel like it's truly my soul's purpose to help women feel empowered in, in their bodies in terms of their self-worth. Or self-image and just really in every area of their of their lives. So that is um again my my soul's mission here. And otherwise, I live in Milwaukee with my husband. Um no kids, no fur babies yet, fur babies coming.
0: <laughs> and that's that's about it. <laughs> Amazing. So I have been reading Someone I Love Lives Here, which is Justine's book, and it's so good it is so good you guys have to go get it we'll make sure that you let you know where you can grab it at the end of the show as well as in the show notes but I'd love to just dive into that a little bit because it it first of all it's hilarious but also it like reading it especially like the younger the, the the younger Justine the little girl Justine so much of it I can relate to even even though the stories are different I remember feeling so much of the same things. And it's like that, that moment of being this bright, imaginative little girl with the whole world in front of her. And, and then all of a sudden there's this turning point of someone somewhere, something somewhere told you that you weren't enough. And so many women struggle with this so many girls struggle with this younger and younger and younger and younger um with not feeling like they're enough and it usually starts with their physical bodies although it could be other things as well depending on the circumstances but we're told from such a young age that we don't look that we need to look a certain way way and if we don't fit that mold even as a little girl then what will life become of you so i just wanted to kind of start there because it just it touched me and i was flooded with all of these memories everything was so detailed i could like remember like even like the smell of slim fast or like like little things where i'm like oh my god how do i even yes it is chalky and like i don't know it was just really powerful so could you speak a little bit into that that starting place for you and yeah. your journey? Yeah. So
1: it's so interesting too, because I thought my whole, you know, my whole childhood, teenage years, twenties, even I thought my story was really unique. And now with the book out and just from the research I've done, you know, I realized that it's actually the norm, my experience. So my journey with body image started at seven years old. So I was, you know, a happy, playful, creative little, little girl. And then in second grade, I gained a lot of weight in a short period of time. And my mom was really freaked out and took me to the doctor and the doctor had a conversation with my mom right in front of me and shared with her how heavy I was, how I was in the 90th percentile for my weight and spelled out that that meant I was heavier than 90% of kids my age. And it was a bad thing. And, you know, I just remember sitting there and that's really where I first developed this consciousness that there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my body. And then really starting having the awareness at school, looking at other girls, little girls, my age and my friends and noticing how I was different. And uh, yes, Slim Fast, you mentioned that was my first diet, which I tried at eight. And again, I thought that was a wild, unique experience, but actually statistics show that 80% of girls in the U.S. report being on a diet by the age of 10. So again, that's, you know, a very common experience and I've heard so many women share those experiences now, but, you know, at the time when you're a kid, it just feels like anything that makes you different is just horrific, you know, and like just the biggest injustice. So, um, yeah. And at the time in grade school, like I didn't know how to change my weight. I, I knew it was a problem, but I had no idea how to how to manipulate my body yet, and so then a couple years later, early in middle school, seventh grade, I think when boys and popularity came into the picture, I just couldn't bear it anymore, um, and it was teased in in grade school as well, and like called names and you know called fat, picked on. Um, so yeah, when I got into seventh grade, I started running. I hated it. I've always hated running. Do not run anymore. <laughs> I'm making myself run, and that's really when. Like I said, I had tried the best at eight years old, but I just added it to my steady diet of chicken tenders, mac and cheese, and lots (laughs) of (laughs) custard dessert after every meal. Um, So the best didn't really work. (laughs) Apparently I was doing it wrong, but um, middle school, I started doing it right. And by the time I was 13, I knew how many calories were in like every type of food. And I started restricting and I knew what to do. So I got the results and I did lose weight. And then at 13 years old, I got so much praise from adults, from like the neighborhood's dad and people that went to our church. And like these adults that weren't even like that close to me started praising me and giving me high fives and congratulating me, and saying, You got skinny. And so at just 13 years old, I really solidified that okay, I'm more valuable to the world if I'm thin and I look a certain way. And again, I think so many women have these pivotal moments of first, oh. I'm not good enough if my body doesn't look like this or if my body is too big. And, you know, girls get messages of be small in so many ways, you know, not, not just our bodies, but our voices and our presence. It's be small, keep others comfortable. So I talk about all of that in the book because, you know, body image is so much more than our bodies. It's again, feeling like we don't deserve to take up space and it's not safe to be, our full selves or too much, or, you know, again, be, be seen and heard fully. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was how my, my experience
0: started. It's so powerful because I feel like right where you kind of left off, it's like, I could see in my mind so many ways it branches off for people. So I think some people can take that and internalize it and then develop eating disorders, whether that's starving yourself or binge eating or emotional eating or abusive relationships or some combination of a million different things. And it's just interesting because I feel like probably most women can relate to this. Most girls can relate to this feeling of my worth who I am as a person doesn't actually matter if my body doesn't reflect perfection in the eyes of society and how horrifying that is and I know in the book you talk a lot about and we've had these conversations before about um you know we spend so much time as like it's such a travesty that we spend so much time as little kids worrying about what we look like and getting the boy's attention and, you know, doing whatever we can to fit in. And and so much of that is revolved around our looks that we don't, we're not praised for being smart and creative and in so many ways, and not just in our home life, because you can have that all you want. Like you can have the best home life and then you go to school and what society tells you or you go to a magazine and what society is telling you, what our culture is telling you is that you're not, that that actually doesn't matter that it's actually your body that matters Mm -hmm. and any deviation from what's perfect is crap. (laughs) So you better work on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just, you know,
1: even looking back when we were teenagers, it was like even the pop stars at the time there were the boy bands fully clothed. And then there was Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera with like the tiniest outfits on and they were teenagers at the time too. And so, you know, again, it's like, even if your home life, your parents, even if, you know, those messages aren't explicitly told to you, we, you know, as kids, as teenagers, we're observing everything. And again, there's just still so much of that, you know, that we, we get as far as messaging that women are valued for their bodies. And again, looking a certain way, being perfect in our looks and, yeah, it's just a, a trap. I say it's like a sticky spider web of lies that just traps us. And then, you know, keeps us trapped unless we do the work of unlearning
0: and burning the rule book and throwing it out. How did this evolve for you in, in your adult life? Like wh- what was sort of that pivotal moment for you when you realized like what you needed to do, what needed to change? Um, because I th- I think so many of us are still feeling that way. Like even 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, I know, I know older people who still are feeling like not good in their bodies. So at what point for you was that turning point?
1: Yeah. So even though I think my earlier years were, I had a very common experience, something that a lot of women can relate to, my twenties got really interesting. So high school, college, I was constantly dieting, constantly trying to perfect my body. And so that led me into this big gym in New York. I was going to school in New York, started working the front desk. And that was my introduction to the fitness industry. And I started picking the brains of all of the personal trainers there. And I was just obsessed and getting all the fitness magazines. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is you know the magic sauce. This is a secret to get this body that I wanted this perfect body, like fitness models on magazines. So a year after working at the gym, I got certified as a personal trainer. And then very quickly after that, I decided to set a goal and compete in a fitness competition. So here I was with all my childhood issues and baggage and, you know, self-esteem, self-worth, body image stuff, getting up on stage in the best shape of my life after so much hard work and being judged next to other women's bodies. And my first show I took second to last. <laughs> so um, so that really sent me down this whole spiral of being obsessed with competing. And I thought I was gonna do one and be done with it, but I ended up doing 19 fitness competitions over the course of just four years, which is insane, an insane thing to do to your body. But you know I had all these unresolved issues, so like I had to be the best. And in the fitness industry, I ended up being crazy successful. I got a uh, brand endorsement from a big supplement company. So then at that point, I was actually getting paid to do these fitness competitions, all expenses paid, plus a check. Plus, I would get a bonus check for first, second or third. And so that became actually my livelihood, my paycheck. And I was flying around the country to fitness expos, signing autographs. I grew my Facebook page. That was the big thing for social media at the time. Instagram wasn't as big. I grew my Facebook page to 2 million followers and had all this praise all this validation these trophies for winning shows and um you know ads in fitness magazines like everything you could want in that arena and underneath it I was still miserable I've never felt more lost I still didn't feel confident it didn't matter how lean I got it was never good enough I was always still picking myself apart or just not feeling good enough uh the relationships in my life at the time were terrible. And I was physically abusing my body. The things I was doing to look that way were just, I detail it in the book. And that was honestly the hardest part of my journey to revisit for the book is to look back and, and look at the things I did in, I call it the fitness years, but, you know, just look at the behavior I was um, exhibiting toward myself and my body and so finally my wake up call or my, I say it was my rock bottom turning point came in the form of me getting sick, physically sick. My body couldn't handle it anymore. And I was, uh, I was diagnosed with severe adrenal fatigue. My thyroid had shut down. My hormones were a mess. And I can remember getting that call from my doctor where he said, you have to stop doing this. And I just looked terrible too. Like I look up pictures and you know, again, my body was ripped, but you can just see it in my skin, in my expression. Like I was in a dark place. Mm. So, you know, my body started screaming and um, that ended up being the hugest blessing in disguise because at that point I was like, all right, I can't do this anymore. And I was still out in New York. And I just basically, I moved back to Milwaukee, closer to my family. I basically let all of my life unravel. I was married for a brief time back then, um, before my now husband and soulmate. And, um, so I got a divorce, you know, just, I really changed every part of my life and stepped away from the fitness industry and, um, really started doing the healing work because I think getting to that point, And again, having all these things, all these achievements and reaching these like insane goals physically to realizing that that still wasn't enough, that finally woke me up that, that's not the answer. It's not actually about any of these external achievements or, you know, no weight, no body fat percentage, no number on the scale. None of it was ever going to be enough. So I finally realized, you know, in a really dark, twisted way that
0: like, that was not the answer at all. Right. And it's like, what you're describing is like rock bottom, what you're describing is dark night of the soul. And I'm I'm curious, like, do you think that people can escape the dark night of the soul? That they can escape rock bottom before moving into a rebirth period?
1: I always hope that for people, you know, I hope people can hear other stories and save themselves the heartache and and pain of going through something like that, but some of us like myself, I mean, I'm very hard headed. So I don't know if, if I would have heard my own story years ago, I don't know that that would have woke me up. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so yeah, I really can't say, but Liz Gilbert always says like, you can either get the nudge from the universe or the two by four. So (laughs) I think when we get the nudges, you know, I think, and that's why I think self-awareness, which I had none back, back in those years. Um, But really a big part of my, um, you know, shifting out of that was surrendering and leaning more into my spirituality and what that looked like for me. And um, because before that too, I just, I didn't have any of that. So I think, you know, if we're open to seeing things differently and have that awareness and we can start to see the nudges of this isn't working, that this isn't feeling good. I mean, ideally that's, We wanna respond to that and make changes to that rather than having to get that two by four or like have your life fall apart. Yeah. I don't recommend it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, as you're talking, I'm like, I think the self-awareness piece is such an important part. And I think how we can not hit the rock bottom and how we can start to develop awareness is by having these conversations in a like real, raw, vulnerable way with people who can hold a safe space for you um because I, I remember being in like high school and we had career and personal planning it's like a life skills course and it was so like thinking back to that i'm like it's so the comp those conversations are saying like don't do drugs because it'll ruin your life don't do this because it'll <laughs> ruin your life but it's it's so um like clinical and not real and there's not that personal touch whereas If we're having these big, bold conversations together, whether that's with your kids or with your friends or whatever, it's like that that shifts something. And I'll bring it back again because this is one of my values is that powerful conversations can create massive transformation. These are the kinds of things that shift paradigms. And I think for us as women growing up in a society where we are told implicitly explicitly that our worth is tied to how how we look and our worth is tied to how much we make and our worth is tied to all of these things that are outside of ourselves it's like can we start having these conversations and shifting that paradigm so that we can see that it's not about what's outside of us it's about what's inside and we we do that i think through these exchanges
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i love that you bring that up because that's something that i really I really didn't see until I wrote my story out. And side note, if you feel you have a book in you, I would say do it even if it's just for yourself, even if, you know, for anyone listening, like writing your story out is incredibly therapeutic and healing just to see it through older, wiser eyes. But one thing that really came up for me was so many things that happened in my teenage years, in my twenties, I was like, why did I not tell anyone? Because... I've always had a very close relationship with my mom and like I had friends. I definitely not the kind of deep friendship sisterhood kind of connections I have now, but, you know, looking back, that was one common theme too. I'm like, I felt like I had to, when icky weird things happened, or, you know, I had experiences that were really uncomfortable. I just felt like I had to just take that on and, you know, carry it around and not share it with anyone. And um, yeah. And I think, now it's so different. Like, if I am feeling a certain way, I think just having those safe places and being able to have the conversations, so that again we're not going through life having this experience of I always say like a special sort of damaged. Again, thinking like I'm the only one, I'm messed up, and everyone else has it figured out, or everyone else is doing fine. No one else is feeling this way, you know we bottle it up and we just feel like we're the only one and we have to carry it alone. And that's so not true. Like as humans, we all have our paths, our journeys, our stories look different, but it's all these same common themes and human emotions. And so, yeah, I think it's so incredibly healing to be having these conversations.
0: Absolutely. And as you're speaking, it's like, I think for women too, it becomes hard to share in this way when we've been kind of pinned. we've been we've been pinned against each other and sisterhood has looked so much like competition and so if I share this weakness or if I if I share this vulnerability it's going to be perceived as a weakness even though that might not be how the other person perceives it I think for a lot of us especially like learning how to be in healthy sisterhood and healthy relationships with other women from a younger age know i feel like there's a learning curve to that because we kind of have to combat so much of the stuff that we've learned and have been programmed into us through the culture Mm -hmm. yeah
1: absolutely and i think that was really something too that's a big theme is not seeing other women as competition and you know again being able to build those relationships those connections where you know until i started doing the inner work and the healing for myself, I wasn't able to have that because I just, I think my self-esteem, my self-image was in such a low place that I did feel threatened by other women. And I did see them as competition. And, um, you know, and then it's like, we attract from what we believe. So Mm -hmm. my viewpoint of the world attracted relationships that were catty and women who were, not really rooting for me, and so I kept. You know, we ke- we keep reinforcing these beliefs by attracting those situations into our world too. So until I really like interrupted those patterns and started working on the the root issue, which was my relationship with myself, that was something I you know wasn't able to have as those loving, trusting sisterhood bonds. Mm. But I do think I do think our society again, it's very like. even look at I know. um, Like, I didn't play sports on teams, but I think with men, you know, sports are encouraged more. The team sports are just like the group connection and like bros. And I feel like women, again, like we're kind of made to feel like there's not enough for all of us. Mm -hmm. That's like a common message we get too. that, you know, if you want, yeah, if you want the success, if you want a good man, like all these
0: things, then like you're going to have to compete. And yeah, there's not enough to go around Exactly. Mm-hmm. and I see that so much too outside of like body image in business and um you can just feel it like the air is thick with that and it's and it's too bad because I don't, it doesn't have to be like that and I and I know things are starting to shift and it so much depends on so much depends on you and you know your perspective and and how how you move through life and what you're willing to heal and look at. Um, But it, it rubs off, right? It's like how you do one thing is how you do a lot of other things. (laughs) So, um, if you have that kind of relationship with your body, you're likely going to find that in your relationship with other people in your business or your work, your place of work, you know, with your kids, it'll be everywhere. Um, And i think that's when it starts to pile on and start to feel suffocating when it's like this systemic issue that has just sunk its teeth in in all areas and it can feel really hard to get out of that and that might feel like a rock bottom that or that might feel like a okay now is now it's time to flip the script now it's time to rewrite this story for myself i'm curious for you How, like, because I know you and I know that spirituality is, has been a really important piece for you, but also not something that was there all the time, like the whole time. So at what point did that start to sneak in, seep in, and can you share a little bit about what that was like for you?
1: Yeah. So this is something I love. You're asking things that I feel like I haven't talked about a lot. (laughs) Um, But I grew up very Catholic. I was raised very Catholic and I grew up very, very Mm God-fearing. So there was religion in my life, but like, I can remember as a kid, I would say my little prayers or I thought something terrible was going to happen. Like it was not it was not at all the way that I feel today and my beliefs have shifted so much. So it shifted over the years. And I always felt that like when I got away from things, there was something missing. So, um, you know, even when I was in, in New York and on my fitness journey, it definitely felt like there was something missing. So I started going to a Christian church and it felt better. It felt more accepting and like more love there than, what I was used to in the Catholic church and you know no disrespect it just wasn't um for me that upbringing like wasn't wasn't nurturing or or what felt good so you know I felt like I was always looking for something but it was kind of still like outside of myself I always felt like I needed to find the right place or the right person like you know to teach it and So then as I started getting into personal development, which really came from this need to feel better, to not feel horrible every day, Mm -hmm. you know, when I realized like, I can't live like this, um, right kind of toward the end of my fitness journey with, um, you know, right before I kind of hit that rock bottom, I started reading a lot of personal development books and the self help and, you know, started dipping my toe into that kind of stuff. And that felt really good. And it really clicked that, like, okay, these, this feeling that there's something bigger than me, there's something greater than me, like, and I have access to it at all times. That really became a huge part of my life. And, Mm. you know, praying and leaning into that, asking for wisdom, even when I was in that place of, I knew I needed to leave New York when everything was happening. And I knew I needed to make major changes in my life, but I didn't know I didn't know where to go. And I never in a million years thought I'd go back to Wisconsin either. I was like, I'm never moving back there, but I prayed on it every day. I just prayed. I asked for wisdom. And I can remember the day I was sitting on a park bench and it was like a lightning bolt of like, you need to move to Milwaukee. It was crystal clear. And that really like moving to Milwaukee was such a huge pivotal part of my journey. And that's where you know, so many of my friendships, that's where my healing took place. That's where I met my soulmate, you know, husband, so many things. Um, but that like really at that time in my life, again, from the lowest point, I just couldn't do it alone. So that's really where I started leaning into truly surrendering, truly praying like I meant it, you know, mm-hmm. and seeing how how that showed up for me. So now I'm like, I, I say God, universe, source, I use those words interchangeably. I do believe there is, you know, a higher power. And I also feel like we all have access to it. We don't need to go to a certain place or be with a certain person to, to access that power and to have that support. So it is a big part of my life now. Sometimes I still get in my controlling ways and forget to ask for that help, forget to surrender or, you know, say I'm surrendering, but I have a death grip on whatever I'm trying to make happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it is, it is a huge part of my life. I feel, you know, more connected than ever before. Um, and, and yeah, that again, really came from the low point in my life of again, just recognizing that I didn't want to live the way I was living and trying to, you know, strong arm everything and control everything. And,
0: yeah. And to feel like you're doing it on your own. As you're speaking, it just reminds me of, and whether you believe in God or universe or source or energy or whatever, you can even think of it just as like your higher self, your most true, authentic self, like the part of you that is your internal guide, the internal knowing, that compass that knows how to guide you in your life. Because there's not one person in the world who is going to understand your walk. And it can feel very, very isolating and challenging when you are looking outside of yourself for that support. Um, and it keeps you kind of can, like, it keeps you outside of yourself. And it keeps you thinking that this false belief that what's outside of you is is important. And yes, we we are here, we are physical beings. It's wonderful to have the outside stuff. However, not forgetting who you are and what you're essence is and what you're made out of and where you come from and trusting that that is the guide that is that's where everything is going to um click for you and make sense and start to turn around um and I I feel so similar to you like my story feels very similar to yours in terms of like I grew up very in a you know religious background it was catholic and my mom let me explore but it was always a big part of my life until it wasn't anymore and then like fast forward into my i think mid-20s or so i started to really feel this sense of loss or like sense of incompleteness or something was missing and so i went back to church and i started trying to find that for myself and um, i found part of it there I, I think it was like this realization that like yes there there is something higher that is guiding the way there is something that is holding me and that was enough to give me the i guess the desire to keep searching for what that meaning was or what that essence was and i think that's where the spirituality like kind of was born where my faith was born um and it, I think it's such a big part of transformation, whether it's just the sheer act of surrendering or allowing, and just having faith that you can do that, whether that's in something or not. You know what I mean? It's like it's such a big part of it because otherwise, yeah, it feels like why why am I doing this, and and can I do this on my own? Um, okay, so thinking of your book, what is what would you say is the rebirth, like? Where did you where did you start to where you are now? Like, what would that the name of that rebirth be? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I
1: have a name for it, um, but I called the final part of my book the Phoenix. So mm-hmm. I like alliteration. So there's four parts: it's the problem, problem areas, the plan, and then the Phoenix is healing part which is my Mm. favorite part (laughs) but that is really where life started to get really good so um yeah and I feel like that because I do feel like I had to kind of let my whole life burn to the ground and then you know rise from the ashes and that whole experience has been really amazing and really when I look back over those years I'm trying to think it's been seven years this month actually And just the things that have happened, it really, truly is nothing short of a miracle. And the relationship I have with my body, with myself, with food, with movement and exercise, it's just something that seven years ago, even five years ago, I wouldn't have even been able to comprehend how I could ever be in this place. So it is really incredible to look back on. And I think a lot of days I kind of gloss over it, but... um, Mm -hmm. You know, and that's really one of the big messages I hope people take away from the book is wherever you are now, if you're not happy in some way, whether it's a big thing, like my experience or something small, like things can be so different for you. And I really, truly believe that, you know, every moment is a a new start and we can always turn things around and it starts with one little step at a time, but, you know, then compounded over time, you look back on your journey and you're like, oh my gosh, wow, you know, healing is just it's so incredible, yeah,
0: so the rebirth, you said so many amazing things in there like the something that really stood out was like the miracles started to pour in once you like let your, let the healing happen like let your let your body heal, let your mind let your emotions heal, and the miracles start to pour in when you start to treat yourself in this in this way, that's like, I am a temple, I am, I'm worthy. And, and it's like, then you open yourself up to miracles. So does that feel like that resonates? Does that feel? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is, what did you, what what part of you had to die? And I know you said you had to let go of so many things, but was there one particular part within you that you had to surrender that you had to let go of? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I think really seeing my body as something to manipulate and control and seeing it as an enemy, Mm -hmm. because from that experience I had at a very young age, again, feeling like, why, why is my body doing this? I don't, I feel like I'm eating like other kids, you know, I don't, I didn't understand. And so from a very early age, it was this deep distrust. Toward my body and kind of like a resentment. And again, that showed up in me seeing it as this thing that I could do whatever to and, you know, really controlling, manipulating. And I don't think abuse is by any means too strong of a word for what I was doing. So all of that is gone. Like now even having a bad body image day for me now is very rare, but it does happen. It does pop up actually just last week I had some stuff pop up and it's very interesting because again I'll go six months nine months and not have a single moment so when it does come up you know I really I look at it and I, I'm you know there there with it and seeing what's underneath but um, even in in the lowest moments I could have now like I would never ever consider even doing something like restricting my food or anything punishing anything from that um, from that, mindset. So I really feel like that shifted. Now I just have such deep appreciation and love for my body. And that's a big thing I work on with women is like loving your body doesn't mean we look in the mirror and we think head to toe, we are flawless. And if we are looking for that, if we're chasing that, we're forever going to be coming up short and disappointed and finding something to criticize because also our bodies are always changing and you know evolving. and Yeah. And So really it's like loving our bodies. It's not about what they look like at all. It's about our bodies are miracles. They're miraculous. They're freaking incredible. Like all the things that they do every day. And then especially women's bodies, having the power to create a human being or in your case too, (laughs) Um, it's, it's insane. And so again, having this deep love and appreciation for your body coming from that place of having a body is a miracle and, Mm. you know, just a deep, deep appreciation where, why would we ever want to mistreat our bodies or anything like that? So that part of me, I feel like has completely left the building again, (laughs) the body image stuff will flare up sometimes, but my behavior in showing my body, anything but love that no longer lives here.
0: Yes, which is so perfect because your book is called Someone I Love Lives Here. Um, I think that's so powerful and something that I say is that our, our bodies are a gift to the soul. Our soul isn't a gift to our bodies. Our body is a gift to the soul. Our bodies allow our soul to be expressed in the physical realm. And I think that this is you know, we talk a lot about our, about the energetics and the, the mental, emotional part and even the spiritual part. But I feel like the health part kind of gets lost where we focus so much on like what we're eating and how we're moving our, and exercise and how we're moving and blah, 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 which is yes, important, but it's not from a place of like deep reverence and honor for the physical body and what it actually is, which is an, fucking miracle that we're here to begin with and that we are this gift this offering to the soul to do its beautiful work in the world and experience the world through this through this this body um and coming back to that place from that perspective is very powerful um because your body isn't just something to feed and move it's something to really like like honor in this very deep way that's it's beyond just focusing on food, food and movement. Although I, I'm not saying not to focus on that. I'm just saying that it, it extends beyond that. Um, yeah. And really when you come from that perspective, the food,
1: the movement, all of that is just natural. It's a natural extension of loving and respecting yourself. Like it be, becomes very simple. You know, what, decisions to make. And it's not like we need the motivation to do it, like quote unquote, motivation or willpower. Like we don't even need that if we're coming from this deep love, respect, reverence for our bodies as again, this vessel for our soul. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that, and that's the thing that so many people have have backwards with, you know, health, fitness, wellness, as well as like, if we do that deeper work and, and shift our perspective and our relationship with ourselves and our bodies, then again, all of that stuff just kind of falls into place. It's it's so much more natural.
0: And it's a really, I feel like it's an easy place to start on a transformation because it's tangible and it's and it's here. Like it's, I feel like thoughts and emotions can be sort of elusive and hard to grasp, but your physical body, like even just tuning in and being like, how do I, like, how do I physically feel? What is my body communicating to me? Um, And starting to like develop a relationship with it in that way, I think is really important. You know, I started, well, I started, I started my rebirth, my big rebirth, my big transformation before the body stuff came in, but it wasn't until the body stuff came in that things started to really have a place to land. And that was when I went through health coaching. Cause I started, we both started off as, well, I started off as a health coach. You moved into health coaching. and I I healed so much of my physical body from that. And then that was when things started to ripple into the other areas of my life and my relationships and my in my finances and my in my purpose became very, very clear. And I feel like the body really does hold the wisdom keys to the soul and to every other part of ourselves. So mm.
1: totally. Yeah. And then getting back to again. The messaging we get as women, it's like I I always say that this whole body image issue, and, and again, the the report showed ninety seven percent of women report being unhappy in their bodies or having negative body image, like astounding. And I always say it's this massive distraction mm. because yeah, that is our foundation. Like if we can't trust ourselves to make decisions around what we're eating day to day, or we're not trusting ourselves enough to care for like our home like which is our body it's it just breeds such distrust in every areas of our lives like not being able to trust ourselves and you know around making decisions around anything and so that's why i feel so passionate too about you know empowering women around this is is again it's so much bigger than than our bodies and the body image but so much starts there again, you know, and when that clicks, it's like, yeah, everything else just works so much better. But when it's out of whack, I always say it's like, even like money issues, if we have some money issues, like, yeah, that sucks too, but we cannot look at our bank accounts. You know, we can kind of put it in a little compartment and forget about it. It's like, when we're struggling in our bodies that never goes away we are living in our bodies all day we have to eat to live you know what i mean so we're making these choices around food multiple times a day every day yeah and that's a hellish experience for women
0: again it's very in your face it's very loud and it's very all-consuming and yeah and you can't like you literally cannot separate yourself from it even like i'm having a bad day i'm feeling depressed you know you can tune that out with TV. You can have a drink. You can, you know, not saying that we should do that, but <laughs> you know, we can tune things out. Our bodies were in our bodies. Yeah. yeah. You can feel your body. doesn't matter if you're sitting on the couch watching TV or not. Right. Like you're going to feel everything. Um, so, okay. I love this conversation so much and it's such a powerful rebirth. So what is the code that is unlocked through that rebirth?
1: Mm. Would this be like a, like a suggestion? What, what way help me? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so what did you realize or mm. learn? What like wisdom key, what code was unlocked from this rebirth that you didn't, you didn't know before, but once it came online, once it like came back to you, you were like, oh my goodness. Like it, the sense of like, it's always been there. It's always been part of me. Hmm. Hmm. I
1: would say the big piece that was such a shift for me is knowing I'm so much more than a body. And again, I love that you said our bodies are a, a gift for our soul. And I always say we're, we're souls in bodies, you know, so um, I mean, I believe we're souls having this human experience. And again, yeah, I love that you said it's a gift. I always say it's like a vehicle or a vessel for souls to live our life's purpose, but yeah, ultimately we're so much more than our bodies. And again, I, that's what I always come back to and anchor into on the days that I may Be having a tougher time, or if I do feel triggered, I just I have this deep knowing that I'm so much more than that, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. really not that's not correlated with my worth in any way. And I think that was really the big shift. Again, you know, I could do all these things and reach all these goals, and uh, you know, make my body look this exact way, and it still wasn't Mm -hmm. enough because again that. It's never going to make us feel worthy or feel fulfilling. It's knowing that we're so much more than that.
0: Mm, that, like, yeah, I can feel that in every inch of my body. We're so much more than bo- a body and our bodies are also the key to unlock this code, right? Oh, wow. Okay. What is one way that our listeners at the Yoni Codes could integrate that code? Like if there is one small tool or or something that you have has really worked for you that you could give to our listeners today that to help really really harness that, what would it be?
1: Yeah. Well, what's coming to me now is is like the title of the book, Shameless Plug, but Someone I Love Lives Here. So the meaning behind that is, is again, seeing yourself all parts of yourself as someone you love. And I say, self-love is such a hard thing for so many of us to grasp, but I say, think of your favorite person or your favorite furry loved one, like someone you love so much, your best friend or with women who have daughters. I'm like, think about your daughter. Mm -hmm. Like how would you want her treating her body? How would you want her nourishing herself and you know treating herself when it comes to food when it comes to movement when it comes to things she is saying to herself when she looks in the mirror you know again like think of the woman you love most in the world and how would you treat her if we could give ourselves that same love like
0: that that's it right there that is that's everything That is the gold. I love it. What a beautiful exercise. What a beautiful thought. What a beautiful perspective shift for any time those thoughts creep in that you're not enough, that you don't look a certain way, whatever, like, yeah. How would you treat your daughter? How would you want your daughter treating herself? What would you tell her to say to herself? And I, and I just want to add this as well as a newish mom, um, to a daughter, I have a daughter and a son. Um, It's like, I've thought about this a lot and it's like, she's gonna see how I'm treating my body. She's gonna feel how I treat my body through the things that I say, through the, the way that I carry myself, through the rituals that I have. She's gonna see everything, they pick up everything. And so to really embody this is so important, not just for me, but for her. Yeah. And, for, and for my son as well, mm-hmm. to see, like, how do I, how do you treat women? Mm-hmm. I always, you know, he's going to feel how I treat my body. He's going to feel how I think of myself. And it's a big responsibility. If you have any little people in your life and any, whether it's a niece or a friend or whatever, it's like, we carry so much as adults because we're paving the way for this next generation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I I do get that question a lot and I'm not a parent but that was my experience growing up too is my mom never made me feel bad about myself in any way like my mom was an incredible mom and like never said a a harsh word but it was her relationship with herself and her body and I talk about that in the book too you know I look back and like she's always been so beautiful but she always showed me like woman to little girl would point out her flaws Mm -hmm. and I just saw how critical she was of herself and that again, like never enoughness it's never enough because again, chasing that perfection is, is a game we can't win. And so, yeah, I, I modeled to me again, like what it meant to be a woman for me, that looked like being super critical and being, you know, nitpicking everything and correcting flaws. And so, um, so yeah, I think that's, I think it's a, a new era and it's so amazing that there's so much more awareness around that but yeah it is it's not just the things we're saying but it's who we're being that children they know they see it they sense it they can feel it and so yeah it is um definitely a a beautiful catalyst to do that inner inner healing
0: absolutely Mm. thank you so much justine Thank I love so I love this conversation. I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. Wow. Maybe we'll, we'll thank have you so much for having
1: yeah. this.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So, like yeah. I said, Justine's book is amazing. You need to read it. Someone I lives here. Um, and where can we find that? Where can uh, listeners
1: find that? Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, so yeah, someone I love lives here.
0: You can type it in the hands and it'll pop up. <laughs> Great. And it'll also be in the show notes for you and you can find Justine on Instagram at the Justine Sloan. Again, that'll all be in the show notes for you. Is there anything else you wanted to leave our listeners with today? Mm, yeah. Just sending, sending so
1: much love wherever you are in your journey, um, whether you're in a great place or having a hard day, just sending you so much love. Obviously, if you're here, you're, you're doing the deeper work and I know it's not easy. So I see you and I'm celebrating you and cheering you
0: on. Mm, beautiful. All right, lovelies. I will be back here next week with the beautiful Catherine and I cannot wait for our next conversation, Unlocking Another Unicode. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this Yoni Code. If this episode moved, inspired, or flat out entertained you, please head over to iTunes and give us five stars or share with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at the Yoni Codes to continue the conversation. Oh, and make sure to click on the link in the profile for other ways to connect. We look forward to unlocking the next Yoni Code together.